Welcome back to the podcast. This is Kirby Ingalls, and today you will have the privilege of meeting Matt Zinman, the author of Zisms Insights to Live By. Every so often, a distinct voice and perspective comes along that stands apart from the cluttered world of personal development. Matt has already received early critical acclaim for his book. So I thought you might like to have the experience for yourself, which is why I brought him on the podcast. Now you're probably asking what Zism is. They are pearls of wisdom, original wit or personal experience shared to positively impact as many people as possible. They are insights to live by. Now Matt backs up his book with his personal experience. He is a success trainer, an entrepreneur, an athlete who is also a former student athlete that went to Temple and won a world championship in hockey, who continues to play hockey to this day. He is a single parent who raised a young man who is currently in school right now. He is a caretaker, and he is also a nonprofit founder And I think this is where Matt will make his largest impact and create a ripple effect that will resonate through the community and generations to come. He is the CEO of the Internship Institute, which he established to make experience matter. Folks, without further ado, let's get to the show. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. I just want to welcome Matt Zinman to the show. He is an author of the book called Z-isms. And Matt, why don't you uh, hop on here and tell us a little bit about yourself real quick and uh, let's get started. Yeah, sure thing. Hey, Kirby. It's great to be with you. Yeah, you too, brother. <laughs> so I, uh, a little bit about myself. Well, I'm, I'm in and around Philadelphia here mm-hmm. and uh, I went to Temple University. I'm a lifelong ice hockey player. Uh, still playing here into my 50s. And I went into the field of marketing out of school, journalism degree. And then I went and founded a nonprofit in 02 uh, called the Internship Institute. And then I, working with employers to set up uh, internships and you know, make them better than they uh, usually are. Uh, that was at the same time that I became a single dad, which I had been for uh, some years until about three years ago. I met my wife, Erica. And uh, now, you know, somewhat uh, straddling into that third career with the book uh, coming out and being here with you. No, that's awesome. It sounds like uh, a lot of things um, have happened based off of just that short introduction that we can kind of dive into. Sure. Um, well, the years help- add up. The years yeah. Add up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> um, you know, I really want to kind of start um, with your book, you know, um, and, and kind of talk a little bit about that since, you know, you it's. I, I'm pretty sure you just released it not long ago. How long ago yeah, was like, it? Yeah, like six, seven weeks ago. Yeah, six, seven weeks ago. So yeah, I picked it up uh, this weekend and I read through it. And I'll be honest with you, brother. I uh, I thought it had a lot of meat and potatoes in it. I mean, I thought it was just, it was really packed full of really good stuff. Um, Thanks, man. So even in the beginning, like I got through the first three chapters and I was like, okay, well, there's an entire podcast just in the first couple of chapters that we could have a discussion on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of dense. It's been like, you know, waiting in the wings for, you know, 10, 15 yeah. years. I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And that's awesome. So tell us, you know, in the book, you talk about Z-Man. So tell everybody how Z-Man was born. Uh, Z-Man. Well, that's yeah. uh, well, I guess I, I can reach over here and kind of bring him on display. Do you have, you have him like for people? Yeah. Yeah, I got him. So uh, for people who are just listening, uh, Z-Man has a dotted Z in the middle, uh, connected dots. This actually came from my 
a marketing company that I mentioned back in 02 called Z Communication. So mm-hmm. it's my logo. And then when I got into the uh, internship space, like developing content, uh, it, 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 the asset went with me. So here, it's now the publishing logo, mm-hmm. but Z University, so you see it there. So now about 2007, I'm in the car. So this is in the front part of the book. Mm-hmm. Right? People can go on, see this without, you know, they'll see this uh, up front. I was in a coffee shop and I was just headphones on head down doing my thing. And I had a marketing piece for the, uh, for the agent, for my firm um, somewhere, you know, in my binder. Mm-hmm. And I get tapped on the shoulder by uh, an older woman. Uh, she was uh, very dressed. Um, you know, like she stepped out of a Hollywood movie mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, eccentric kind of clothing. And she's just looking at me. It was very odd. And she reaches down and takes the pen out of my hand. And I'm just like, what's going on here? And she, this happened in a matter of seconds. And she, she, she took the pen and she, she drew through the Z, the line, and then drew the dot at the bottom and the ring at the top. And I'm looking at her. She hands me back my pen and she just like smiles, doesn't say a word, like my work is done here. And she was mysteriously gone <laughs> bizarre 100 percent bizarre 100 percent true uh so yeah so z-man was born so when i funny thing is kirby i show this to people now you know what this is and people are listening they're gonna have to go see the note we're talking mm-hmm. about and I'll, it's like a rorschach test like what is this and i hear all kinds see the key it looks like a spiritual symbol it's some kind of yeah but no it's a guy running it's a, it's, yeah. it's a guy he's marching forward did you see that before you read it like did you get that no i didn't i i, I thought it was some kind of spiritual or meditation thing or yeah, i was like i was fooled like everybody else but you're when in you, that camp yeah. yeah so when you showed that to me i was like i was like oh now i see it's a running man yeah, it's like, kind of right. he's just he's like in forward motion. That's it. Yeah. So, the funny thing is, is that people ask about the book, you know, that's been around since then. I couldn't find a place for it. So when I decided to write the book, I'm like, that is going center on the cover yeah. and I'll figure the rest out. So Zisms really work backwards from, uh, from that. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about that because uh, that kind of is almost like a, a little bit of foreshadowing because you talk about that chance encounter. Like it's just, right. and I don't even know if you've ever seen that lady ever again after that. I mean, she just disappeared. Nope. So, um, but you had a uh, chance encounter with a gentleman um, at a conference, Patrick J. Jackson Jr. You want to kind of tell us why that chance encounter was so important and why yeah. that's powerful in the book? Yeah, you did read the book. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, this was early in my career uh, in, in the PR marketing. I was actually at my first conference. Mm-hmm. Right? If you get that feeling young out of school, like, what's this? I'm at this, you know, I'm, you know got on a plane. Uh, I'm here at this professional conference, you know, dressed up. And, you know, one of the you know, star attractions was this guy, uh, Patrick J. Jackson Jr. And uh, he was like the rock star in the profession. And mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what he lectured on. I could tell you the room was packed. People were standing around the walls. And for whatever reason, I decided to go and do the follow-up question, get in line and ask him something. And so the thing that happened for me there was I was, I don't know, three, four, five people back and my heart started pounding. I was like, like, I guess I hadn't been pulled over by a police car at that point. Like that feeling that you get, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, go to the side of the road. Like that was the feeling. So like, yeah, I was almost hear it. Mm-hmm. And then it just got more pronounced. And then when I got to the front of the line to talk to him, I'm, I'm sure I was nervous. And uh, I, I said something to him about, you know, thanking him for his time. And he, he just stopped me cold. And he's like, well, isn't this your time too? Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I just, I was, you know, a little flabbergasted. I was like, yeah, well, I, I acknowledge it's also my time. He says, well, this is, why is, why is my time any different than your time? What's your mm-hmm. question? I, and, and I, every time I think of it and I get to pay that forward ever yeah. since then, uh, it's just such a grounding, such the, the humility of that guy, mm-hmm. that lesson he taught me just, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, people like that are extremely powerful because it's, they make you feel like they're on equal level playing ground with you, despite their celebrity status or authority status or whatever it is that they have, you know, as you strive, you know, you like you're getting up and making your first public speech in front of thousands of people, you know, it's like, you're going to be that jittery nervous. Like, what do I say? What do I do? How do I introduce myself? Like, how do I walk up? Do I shake his hand first? Do I look at his hand? Do I look at his face? You know, just all those weird things that go through our head that really don't matter. Um, but he earned your influence. It sounds like, um, 
and you kind of talk a little bit about that later on in the book. Um, you talk about, uh, and I would like for you to speak on that, earning influence by putting the needs of others ahead of yourself because I feel like when we meet people, they and you just talked about it, like you couldn't remember exactly what he talked about, if he was a right, keynote yeah, speaker I mean, or whatever. It was how he made you feel on the way out the door, you know, once you met him. It was it was how he made you feel when you left the room. Yeah, you know, I've certainly thought about it more, right? I wrote it in the mm -hmm. book and it's different. You start talking about it. I haven't really talked about it that much. And mm -hmm. he knew what he was doing. I, you know, yeah. someone did that for him, right? He was paying it forward. Mm -hmm. I, it was just one of those things. It was so powerful. I, I honestly... You know, it, it really just sets me back a little bit every time I think and talk about mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I do get to say, you know, I'm on, you know, um, the site to buy a domain and somebody I'm having a nice conversation with, he says, well, I'm only 21. And I'm like, well, so what? Yeah. Right? It's like that kind of thing. You just get to say <laughs> that to everybody. I just love it. I think, you know, Patrick did that for me. Um, and, and I do think it goes to what you're talking about. I, you're, you're talking about the kind of the power of kindness versus mm -hmm you know, people being, you know, manipulative and right. Is that where you're going on that question? Uh, yeah, to a little bit agree. I know that's kind of where you talk about spiders and we can kind of jump into that a little bit if you want to. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so at the, uh, you know, I, I like to kind of connect a couple dots that you had talked about mm -hmm. with him, you know, going on stage and just, mm -hmm. you know, staying on his two feet and just that confidence. And it, the, the first chapter is called earned confidence. It's, mm -hmm. it's written as things build, on itself and so when and then the spider thing comes right after that mm -hmm. so earned confidence is essentially about the fact that we've all been through all the things we have in our life mm -hmm. and uh we've had our hardships you know whatever that ringer is wherever you are you know younger age or otherwise and you're still standing you're still you've been through it all and so why would you think otherwise that you're not going to get through what you're going through you know, that you should, why worry about something that hasn't happened yet or isn't certain to happen? So it's kind of a logic filter to just to remind yourself, number one, it grounds you and you don't get, it, it just meant to eliminate worry and anxiety and that kind of stress assumptions, which are relationship killers, um, let alone the things that you do to yourself. And if you just really go back to that kindness, which is why, why be anything less than kind to yourself? That's really where earned confidence is. And what I, what I appreciate at that being at the foundation of the book is that it's very distinct. It's kind of mm -hmm. like a yes or a no. It's not, it's not that I'm in search of self-love, right? I have to love myself before, right? The whole thing. It's defined in any given moment, am I being kind to myself or not? Straight up. So that, that's really to the, to what you had mentioned earlier, yeah, you know, there are entrepreneurs out there who uh, might be more into being manipulative and they might win in the short term. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are billionaires who step on next to get there and I've met them, um, but they're not very happy people. So what matters? Yeah. So that takes you over to, uh, you know, the spider chapter was kind of which of these is not like the other. Yeah. I almost didn't include it, but there's so much hard living. <laughs> goes, there is. Like, that goes into it. Um, it's, it. It really talks to the fact that we have so many moving parts all the time and, you know, sizing people up and ourselves to begin with in, around mm -hmm. earned confidence, our mood health, our perceptions, you know, all those things are at the front mm -hmm. end of the book. And, and here we're talking about and looking for that data point, that this or that in sizing people up and there aren't many of them but this is one of them and the fact that there are two kinds of people in the world there are spiders and there are people who get caught in webs and so you're talking about people who are manipulators because mm -hmm. the reason why it's a this or that is because that's a conscious decision that's a, that's a, that's someone making a decision to impose their will on someone else to have theirs bend to you know however they want them to and you either do that or you don't now, I do, I do believe that that's the minority of, of the population, and it doesn't necessarily mean that those individuals are bad people. They, they could be in a highly charged political job, or mm -hmm. you know, it's part of that, and it's survival technique. And then when they're with their family and friends, you know, that, right? So it might just be 1%, but at the same time, the rest of us, as you can tell, I don't put myself in that category mm -hmm. uh, you know we give people the benefit of the doubt you know why would you want to go through life always being on guard and not trusting people and you know, they don't have my best interest at heart and so we're willing to be 
the prey. We're willing to be vulnerable and get burned. And that's, you know, that's just part of that lifestyle decision and it's the right one. So in my view. Yeah. I I think it's extremely important, you know, what you said. And um, for example, you even talked about being a single father. And I know one of the things that came up when I, after my divorce was people are like, you know, why would you want to get married again? And I'm like, why wouldn't I want to share my life with somebody else? You know, why would I want to live my life alone? Why would I not want to give my child an opportunity, you know, to have another person in their life? You know, and I'm like, what, you know, I need to be vulnerable. And if I get punched in the gut and knocked down again, well, I just get up and try it again. I mean, that's what what we always do. I mean, it's not like it doesn't hurt, but, Um, but you get past it just like everything. Right. And, 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 you know, I, I definitely, you know, I went through that, uh, my son was two at the time mm-hmm. and it was my decision, you know, with respect. I mean, his mom's a great person. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we were at that point of no return. It was, do I want my son to grow up in a house of stress or mm-hmm. do I want this to be something better? And I want to be my better self, which I wasn't at the time because of that stress. And it had to be done. And at the same time, it's like, okay, half the time I'm at that age, you know, it's diapers and bottles, man. It's, you know, alone. Yeah. Um, so that's some life experience, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I, uh, you know, I, I had been through a number yeah. of relationships and, and now we're, you know, he's 19 now and, and we're, uh, you know, he's home from college. So yeah. I'm, I know a lot of people are going, <laughs> going through that, but we're, so we're making the best of that too. But yeah. yeah, you know, you have to put yourself out there and that's what it's about. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, that's interesting because you went to Temple. So you went to Temple a long time ago and that's a prestigious university and um, did marketing and you also played hockey in Temple. Um, And, uh, you know, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about that. But, uh, you know, speaking of the current times, you know, as a father who's gone through school and, you know, done all that at a different time in history. And now you have a kid that's in college going through this right now, a young adult who's about to emerge into the environment that, you know, um, a lot of us, it should be a time to explore you know where we've gotten some freedom we're away from the nest and we get to actually find out who we really are in our lives without right. our parents really guiding us every single day so how do you how do you what advice would you give you know to a young man like that it's a tough transition i'll tell you for for me i'll just talk about me mm. first on this point it's yeah. Tough. um yeah and the other thing is he's an only so mm-hmm. if, you know if you had a, if, mm-hmm. so it's a lot different right when he's with me i'm with him there's no you know, that, that's, uh, it's us. And that was part of the, uh, a lot of what I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't trade. And then of course now, and everybody, every parent can relate to this, your kids get into their teens and you start to pick your moments and then you don't have many moments and then it's up to them. And that's kind of where this is. Um, I, when I get to a point, it's not very often. So that's what makes it a little bit, a little bit more impactful. I hope. Um, and I don't want to get caught up in whether he's listening to me, I'll write him a letter and then I'll sit with him and I'll ask him to read it. And, uh, he'll, he'll, I ask him if he wants to talk about anything and, and usually it's no, (laughs) um, but I know that he read it. I don't have to worry about whether he listened to me. I made myself available. I made my point and, uh, he can go back and read that again if he wants If if, and then that's going to be his personal decision. So the same thing happened but it was a little bit more of a positive, right? Something, well, I have to write a letter because, you know, this is happening or that's happening. Well, here when I, when I dropped him off at college uh, to his dorm um, initially, uh, I, I wrote him that letter, but it was more of that, that, that transition in life and things like, you know, turning the page. You know, you're out of high school now, like whatever hangups you had or anything, you know, all the things everybody goes through in, in school, like that's now behind you. You know, you got the clean slate. And you, you want me to really go deep on this? Like what I said to him, just to your question, or I don't want to like go all the way off on this deep. No, it's fine. I mean, no, I mean, no, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's advice for the listeners and the viewers. So, I mean, if it's something that you feel is important then I mean, I'll, I'll be all ears. Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, you know, it's your show. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling myself here. Okay. I'm going into my, you know, 10 points here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's like a lot of what you'd expect mm-hmm. about choosing your tribe. And this is really at any age, you know, are being very much about a, a lot of 
who we are is the combined sum of the people we spend the most time with. That's not an original concept. Mm-hmm. Certainly the friends that you make in college. I mean, we also, well, my college buddies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the friends you make in college are a lot about the compass that, you know, gets calibrated in terms of your friendships in life. And like, I, like I joined a fraternity when I was in, when I was in school, I did it my freshman year and I wish I waited uh for a number of reasons it's like well here are the guys i met in the dorms and like oh this is what we're doing so you kind of go in the pack mentality it's like hey let's join this one okay and then boom like that's not a decision to take lightly because once you got letters on you're isolating yourself from Mm -hmm. other friends certain girls you know so i so my advice on that point because i know he's interested in that is just to stay independent be your own person get involved in different things Mm -hmm. don't make one group of friends um, and wait a year, you know, go meet everybody at the fraternities before you decide which one you want. Don't just follow these, you know, two people, you know, for two weeks and, and go rush somewhere. So I don't know. It's like, you can tell him all you want. He's going to do what he yeah. wants. And, but I get it off my chest and that's now I'm more of uh here when you need me and call me yeah. whenever you need me and make sure you call me, make sure you call me. Yeah. Right. That's the message. And, and I guess, it, I guess the one thing Kirby, if I'll just, cause I, I really feel like I'm on the soapbox. I just, what's the one thing, right? Cause if you highlight it all, it's it all goes through the years. Um, just make good decisions. Just whatever that is, wherever you are, you know, just make good decisions. So yeah. that's, that's what I did. No, it's, it's powerful. I mean, I, I, I hear you, man. And um, that's something that I try to, I mean, I have young kids. I have a 16 year old, a five year or six year old, a four year old, two year old and a, a, a three month old now. And wow. um, those are so, some full hands. Yeah. So it's full. But uh, the, the message that I would like to convey to my children is almost exactly like you. And it's like, regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of what happens, know that that front door is always open. I may agree or disagree with what you do, but we're here to support you no matter Right. Um, you know, I mean, we're all, you know, bad things. Are, I did some bad things growing up, you know, and I'm look back and I'm like, uh, you know, that was probably a bad mistake, but did I learn something from it? Did it change who I eventually became or did it not, not necessarily define me, but help build character inside of me and, you know, propel me forward. And most of the time I can say, yes, you know, there's only a few things that probably set me backwards, but eventually I took two steps forward. So, um, regardless, you know, I want them to know that, you know, my door is always open right. and you gotta be, I will be supportive whether or not I agree or disagree with the decisions that were made. Yeah. I mean, it's the safety net. You have yeah. to let them know they have the safety net. And yeah. in that moment, and I mean, again, it's kind of maybe because we're, uh, you know, he and his mom and I are apart. It's like, I'm your call. Cause I don't know if, you know, what do you call his mom? You know, whatever. It's just in that moment, let's see, he doesn't make a good decision, you know, and he's scared to call and I'll be, you know, as hot as mad gets, he still needs to call me. And that's kind of, that's the other message I really, cause it's just a contingency thing. Yeah. And so, so since we're kind of talking about these defining moments of our lives, yeah. um, in the beginning of the book, you said there's, you asked folks to do an exercise of write down the three defining moments of their life. Oh. Um, what about your three defining moments of your life? Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about earned confidence there. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it is, because it is about proving yourself to yourself. It's knowing that you always get through the things and, and what are the things that define you? And, and often that does happen when in those formative years uh, in, in your, in your younger ones. And, you know, for me, one of them was uh, when I started playing hockey and I was, I was really my first time on blades, I, you know, seven, eight years old. And I was at a hockey, I was just at a clinic, you know, learn to skate kind of thing. And they had all age kids on the ice and whatever, you know, they're doing a drill. And uh, this 18 year old kid takes a, takes a slap shot. And, you know, they didn't have face cages back then. I took, I took one right on the jaw. Um, I busted my jaw in three places, you know, uh, wasn't this pretty sight. And <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, it doesn't sound like the, the greatest example, but to me, it was important to, to get over that. You know, my mm-hmm. jaw was wired shut for a full summer. That wasn't easy either, but I wanted to keep playing. Now it might've been because those were the same years the Flyers won the cup and I was really into it. Um, but no, it was really more about resilience. You know, even at that age, proving myself that is, you know, that, that metaphor about being knocked down and getting back up. And I still play ice hockey today and it's, right? It was 
mm-hmm. one of the great loves of my life. And uh, it, it also carries over to the another one because it is that common thread uh, at Temple. And I was captain Temple uh, junior and senior seasons. And then my senior year, we uh, went undefeated. And uh, I mean, we weren't D1. I mean, I'm not here like I was going semi-pro. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or I'm going to get drafted. It wasn't that, but it felt like it. I mean, that's kind of what, it, that was really the main thing. You know, you got a packed house of, uh, of your fellow students, you're banging on the glass, you know, just that <laughs> feeling, right? And, uh, and then you get to throw, you know, I, I guess even at that age, and I was a senior, obviously, at that point in college, I still don't know that I, even with the fraternity, I don't know that I felt certain defined, I had the friendships, I didn't have the confidence, um, in in those years i i just still had a lot of doubts the the bonding no i don't know if pledging necessarily is the right mm-hmm. kind of bonding i would recommend but you know at that point in that moment to experience that and it's just what you would imagine you know throwing gloves jumping all over each other and you know i have a lot of friends from that team to this day so yeah it was just uh it, it was just a it was a great stepping stone well, it sounds like to me you're talking about uh, one of the things in your book that um, caught my eye, which was um, self-image versus true identity, um, and they're not jiving. So I had a personal experience with that. Um, at some point in my life, I realized that trying to portray myself as somebody that that's not, and I had to kind of reinvent myself. I call that uh, I studied it in college and won't have a master's in counseling, but there's a technique called narrative therapy and it's rewriting your story to empower yourself and not necessarily be other people. And I do spend a lot of time talking about that, like define characteristics of people that you admire rather than try to be that person. Just take it, the characteristic that you appreciate. Maybe they're a great public speaker. You know, maybe they make people feel good. Maybe they're kind and caring, you know, but those are aspects of what you want. You don't want to be them. You want to, you know, a, take on those like, like emulate so, yeah i feel so, like i should turn the podcast on you at this point yeah start drill down good. On this question yeah so um, so yeah so talk about that self-image versus true identity not jiving why is that so important well there there are a few factors here <laughs> you know for one and we talk about the filters so i'll go back to earn confidence again with the things building on each other <laughs> is continually referred to and so are you in order to be in that self-identity, because we all have all these moving parts, are at any given time, you know, is your self-identity like I'm a worrying person, you know, or, <laughs> right? or versus like I'm really well-grounded. I, I, I rely on, I fold gratitude into my days. I mean, this is things that you learn over your lifetime. So it's hard to kind of like 40 years ago at that mm-hmm. age, um, maybe 30, 35, <laughs> uh, the, the thought of, just not getting caught up, not getting out of the present in your, in your, in your head. And then you know, there's a lot to be said about mood health that I think is really underestimated in terms of a low level depression, uh, the, the, you know, beating yourself up uh, when, uh, when, when you're in that state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so, right. So we're talking about self identity here mm-hmm. and, and these are filters that really affect it. And then there's perception itself. So, I just want to, again, and almost put that in, in the context mm-hmm. of we have these moving parts. We interpret such a constant flow of information mm-hmm. and assume what that is is the truth, but it's really only an interpretation. So you, you have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt when you have self-doubts, just recognizing, like, maybe I didn't mm-hmm. just get this right. Yeah. Maybe you're in an argument with somebody and you're not seeing the things the same way but just you both think you're right but doesn't mean either one of you are wrong right so, so how do you mm-hmm. hate that um it's a tough question kirby i feel like i'm dodging it i think i'm like, like skirting <laughs> a little bit on on my answer but it's just one of those things you know we're all a constant work in progress and yeah we're at the root of it with this question uh and you know to the to the example where I was in my senior year of college and that being a, a defining moment, there was a shift for me mm-hmm. at that point. And I think it's a growth spurt. Mm-hmm. And then the rest comes down to a lot about your in, you know, insecurities and part about what you allow other people to think of you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, that's in the context of uh, 
how much how much they jive yeah right yeah, no, I don't know. No, I, I don't think I nailed it. But. I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of value in a conversation. And if somebody sat there and listened to what you just said, there is a lot of things that they can pull out of there. So okay, um, I tried. To, <laughs> no, I, I think there's a lot. So so in there, you know, you also said something that actually, I mean, it was a very bold statement, right? And so um, you said walk the talk, and you mentioned that uh, you had beaten two billionaires, um, and uh, mm. Uh, what was the other one? Um, you had, uh, like some about, you mentioned Bill Gates and then you also talked about the, the broad street bullies. Um, did I get right. that right? So what was, yeah. what, what was, what's that about? Well, working backwards, I, cause I, I did roll it right out mm-hmm. there. So the broad street bullies, the Philadelphia flyers, mm-hmm. right? We touched on that. Those years yeah. I started playing hockey, I, you know, sports fans yeah. know that I happened to be born on the day that they played their first game, which mm-hmm. is kind of a fun fact. Yeah, I was just throwing yeah. it in there because, I mean, come on, right? You like hockey, right? And you I mentioned like Wayne Gretzky, and, too, and yeah, he played right. for St. Louis. <laughs> right. Okay, you could take that. You know, Gretzky, well, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I would digress on that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the Bill Gates, it's, it's, I left that one as a mystery. I haven't really been, I, I haven't really been asked it. The, uh, the, the fact is that the one thing I did in the internship uh, during my work in these past mm-hmm. 15 years, I actually developed the statewide internship program for Ohio mm-hmm. and the board of regents hired me to do that. And they were funded through the Gates foundation. Mm-hmm. So when I received my payment that actually, I just, I can't say it was a lot in yeah. relative speaking, but yeah, I got yeah. some of Bill Gates money that <laughs> that's okay. I'm all right with that. It's just like, yeah, that feels pretty good. I earned that. Yeah. I really earned, I earned that. Yeah. Um, and then along the way, uh, you're right. I, I, I've had a couple of encounters with, with billionaires. Um, they had actually come to think of it a lot in common. They were both kind of Asperger's mm-hmm. in that way. So they were very quirky. And for what anybody knows about Asperger's, you know, that also has a lot to do with their brilliance and being mm-hmm. able to laser focus in order to get what they, what they achieve. But mm-hmm. of course, they have their shortcomings. So in both those cases... Uh, there were, uh, there were lawsuits mm-hmm. in those cases. Um, neither of which either of them won. Yeah. Mm. Tough. So you mentioned Temple. I mean, we've been speaking a lot about your formative college years and, um, did you go to college for marketing or did you go for journalism? It's funny. You know, I, I was really looking to go to college initially to go mm-hmm. into film. Like okay. I was in radio, television, and film. Uh-huh. And uh, when I think back about how much effort I put into this big spreadsheet at that age, you know, I was just so analytical about it. And I'm like, well, I chose Temple. And uh, my, dad, my dad went to Temple and, you know, it was, it's good school. And once I got in there, and less to do with the college than the field, and I realized I, I had an internship right away with Warner Brothers Studios. I actually uh-huh. worked with them uh, for four years and I was doing the local uh, promotions for them. I got to do the screenings on campus. Like this is when the first Batman movie with Michael Keaton and mm-hmm. like, Lethal Weapon, the first yeah. one. That these are those years. Yeah, <laughs> all the way back. Good years. Good years. Good years. Good years. <laughs> but I learned a lot about the film industry. Yeah, and it's very political. And uh-huh. um, I didn't really feel like I had the grit. I, uh-huh. I don't know that I, I I learned that I don't know that my passion was to be the starving artist. So I switched over to journalism, uh-huh. and uh, it was a lateral move. And and they had these different tracks there. You're looking at, uh, you know, advertising, news editorial, magazine writing, and so on. And I chose public relations, uh, more of an influence of a couple of professors there. Mm-hmm. That led me into that field. Cool. So tell me, you know, the, the, the question I really want to know is um, about journalism is, because I know there's power in writing. And so how has that, how has journalism kind of helped you express yourself and also um, process life? as, as you begin to write, because you write a lot about your own personal experiences. So uh, I think that's important for people to understand and realize, especially for a person who's written a book, it's really about your life. Um, and then we can kind of get into the idea of, um, cause people are probably like, what is Zionisms? You know, right. we didn't discuss that up front, you know, and right. I did that on purpose, but you know, you can kind of dive into what Zionisms is. So. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so you're asking great questions. I, I, so working backwards is Zionism, 
uh, aside from you know being mm-hmm. named off of Z-Man on the front of the book to the yeah. beginning of the interview, it's really about those things we share that we all have to mm-hmm. make a positive impact. They're, they're insights to live by. So you know, pearls of wisdom, we might say credo. So we all say, what is it that we say to people mm-hmm. as our ongoing advice? Well, it doesn't have to be original, but it was, it, there's some phrases, right? Anybody, we all know what those are. But why are those the ones <laughs> yeah. that you, are yours? So those are everyone, no, not everyone has a book in them. Not everyone's into yeah. writing, but everybody has that wisdom mm-hmm. at any age. So that's really what we're talking about. It's not, you know, it's not just about me. And they're not quips when you think it is like, oh, it's a book of quotes. Yeah. No, it's a book is you probably get yeah. it. The journalism question is really interesting. I, you know, certainly throughout my career, I mean, I, uh, you know, and learning what I've learned in the last 15 years in the career field, a lot, most people, unfortunately, the vast majority graduate with a degree and then never go into that field. Mm-hmm. It's like, an, it's like this hidden epidemic. Yeah. But I actually had four internships and the last one led, it was with this agency that Mm -hmm. led me into my first job. So I did land where I wanted to go and I was in the field and then worked my way through those agencies. So I've certainly in the people think, well, journalism, you're Mm -hmm. newspaper stuff, but no, you're, you're you're writing all kinds of stuff, things for clients, you know, speeches, newsletters Mm -hmm. for the companies on and on. And, and I guess I've certainly wrestled with words come to think of it my (laughs) my whole life, one way, shape or form. And then when I went into the internship, I was developing content Mm -hmm. and intellectual property for the employers. So there's this foundation for me, certainly around, you know, fighting um, with grammar and all those things for all these years to get to the point of deciding when write the book uh I, I don't i don't know through beyond that experience that mm-hmm. kind of build on it built on itself i don't to your point i don't know that i really as much as long as i've wanted to write the book i don't know that it would have been nearly what it is now if i wrote it any sooner right right so it's kind of a seasoning thing i get right yeah, no, I mean, you're, I mean, you know, the th- the value of books for me has always been two pieces of cardboard with decades of information in between. Um, and if you write it when you're 21, I mean, yeah, you know, there's going to be some value there, you know, but when you write it when you're 40 or 50, you've processed so much more in life and experiences and uh, you can share. So um, I don't devalue anything anybody does at 21 because there's power to that, you know. Right. Uh, a lot of, you know, why souls. And the yeah. thing is, I, I, I don't really read personal development books. I certainly mm-hmm. did a lot in my younger days, but mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. I wrote it in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing. It's like, it just came out six, seven weeks ago. Yeah. I had no idea. You know, this just is in my head. It's great to be here with you, right? I get to talk yeah. about it and yeah. listeners here and hopefully it's helpful. Yeah. You know, the other thing I would say is that, um, you know, and to speak on the part about the uh, the self development books, you know, after you've read about twenty of them, you've pretty much read almost all of them. I mean, <laughs> to, to a degree. I mean, there's different Except ideology. For one in particular. Yeah, yeah. No, there's I, a, there's yeah. there's some different ideology, but you know, there but there's some similarities across the board, and they kind sure. of build off of each other. You know, and um, you know, I've been reading some really good ones lately, but uh, I like to spend my time um, reading about people. Uh, especially stories about people. Cause you can write it like, you know, that's a, a, a book about self-development and not really have many stories in there. You know, you're just telling people a process or how right. to do this, but then when it incorporates story, uh, it's just much more powerful and you learn about others. And, um, and, and it, I think that there's, there's something uh, more to studying individuals, you know, especially great individuals that have come, you know, through history, um, and try to understand, you know, why people thought the way they did and try to understand why they took the actions that they did. Um, I think there's a lot of knowledge out there in business. Um, uh, people who have written books about, you know, the way they conducted business and why they did what they did. Most people didn't understand at the time, but reflecting back on those years, they're like, Oh, I see this now, you know, and I understand why they made decisions based off their upbringing, based off of their experiences, why they chose to go the route they did or why they did what they did. So, yeah, I mean, it's really evident, you know, it says a lot, honestly, you have this thirst for knowledge and, you know, it's really what, uh, you know, your passion is about. So it's probably why you're, you got me, you know, in the gauntlet here. Like, what's he going to ask next? What yeah. question can I not quite answer well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's great. We're having a, uh, it's a pretty good conversation. So, for sure, so for I'm sure. going to kind of get into some of my canned messages, you know, and this is the stuff that I usually ask everybody towards the end. And, and that's, you know, what's the one thing that you need to do that you think scares you that you haven't done yet? 
Hmm. Scares me. I'm pausing long here. It's, it's a really good question. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's really the first time that I am letting things unfold. Like I do, mm. I, I really have been tunnel vision and I put my head down and wrote this thing. And then there's, mm-hmm. there's all that you have to get through to get it published. I self-published and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then formed the publishing company to keep you know, the rights over it. But then coming out, it's like, well, what's next? You know, cause I honestly am not looking to get into coaching. I'm looking mm-hmm. more for like a, a broader impact. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know that scared is the word I, I would use, but there's, okay. two, there's two areas that are very a- attractive to me. And, you know, it's definitely a discomfort zone right now mm-hmm. that, it, or, you know, that I have to expand, yeah. you know, to get to second nature. But it just was in the last week and a half, it was suggested that I actually start my own podcast. Mm. So I was like, okay, I hadn't thought of that before. How would I go about doing that? So this week I'm in a workshop and mm. you know, I'm on that curve. And then the other thing, quite honestly, I really did miss the cut on the social, on social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm not comfortable. Again, mm-hmm. it's not a, I don't yeah. feel, it's not like a scare. It's a little, yeah, it's a little bit of a scare, yeah. but I don't like standing in front of my iPhone looking at this dot. <laughs> that, and then I have to go and then like, oh, okay, now I got to post it. And it's just, it's awkward for me, but it, mm-hmm. it's important. And I'm, I'm learning and I'm trying to expand my comfort zone. So that's- yeah, I'll, I'll tell you to do that. I, I did that for a while. I probably went about four or five months, almost every single day, you know, doing some kind of five right. to 10 minute Facebook live and it will drain your energy and you have to be ready for that. I mean, it is because you're trying to show up at a certain time every day, put on the face, whether you just had a disagreement with your spouse or just an interaction with your child and you're trying to show up and you know, but you just have to let it flow and be real and authentic and be like, you know what? Hey guys, today sucks because I just had a bad day. Yeah. You know, and really let that be part of your brand. You know, it's just, but it, it drains you. Uh, you know, to have I don't have show a choice. Yeah. That's definitely part of yeah. my brand. I don't know yeah. if I have a choice. I'm going to yeah. mess up. But, but like, no, I score introvert. It's just, I don't think it's anything I can really make yeah. entirely comfortable for myself, yeah. but I, I'm glad to do it. It definitely, mm-hmm. I'm like having the time of my life right now. You know, this just is great. Yeah, so, no, it's awesome. So yeah. you talked earlier about expanding. Um, you know, when I asked you the question about what scares you and you're kind of, I'm kind of in this expansion or, you know, um, like what's next and uh, yeah. yeah so so where do you think like what you know i always like to speak a lot about direction i think it's important for people to know what direction they're going so where do you think you'll be at in about 10 or maybe even 20 years i know most people don't think down that far because everybody's like oh that's too far out but you kind of yeah. have to have some kind of strategy and direction that you want to go so well how long do we have for this answer i do actually know some of this yeah. So, I mean, as long as I'll you need do to take top them, line, but, yeah, like, th- you know, like take three or four minutes if you need. All to, right. That's fine. Well, I'm just trying to like, compact it. Right. Cause yeah. know, that's a lot of space to cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, first of all, the reality is that with the internship work that I've done with the mm-hmm. nonprofit, it's been probably the hardest thing I could possibly have imagined trying to do. And it really has reached the point that I've, I recognize while I'm still doing it and mm-hmm. will continue to do it kind of here and there, the big stuff, what I want to achieve, I can't, there are ingredients I don't have from, on my own, right? You need a lot of money. Like it's nonprofit. So there's no venture capital, yeah. right? It's the kind of, let's just say business mm-hmm. that you need that. It's, I probably am looking for $2 million, right? That's okay. the, now I'm not asking for it here, although, you know, that, uni- <laughs> that unicorn, it, but- <laughs> there's that unicorn out there. No, that's what I need. And, and yeah. when I come back, it's, I'm going to hire veterans yep. um, because I need, you know, they're the right talent and uh, yep. you know, for what that is. And so that's certainly part of, what I'm very clear about mm-hmm. in terms of my vision for that, because if you're going that far out, I've got that and I'm mm-hmm. already in action with yeah. it. And I, I know what has to happen there. So there's um, there, it's about taking that vision that I have with the nonprofit on one hand, mm-hmm. however that resource comes to me and seeing through what I started here. Uh, because if it's not me, then, then who? Um, yeah. And it's just, there's just too important amount of social impact that I've, I know what I'm doing and what I have, what, what's there to be done. And I'm, you know, that's my job. So, uh, but I know I can't do it without, you know, certain yeah. ingredients. So let's put that to the side. Yeah. And then as far as this goes, you know, I always saw, I always wanted to do motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. That is something that I'm not like talking about introvert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do presentate, you know, I look, I do webinars and things with the, with the nonprofit, I've certainly spoken at professional groups. I spoke, I speak to students all the time. I'm pretty comfortable with it, mm-hmm. but I, I really do want to grow into 
um, you know, let's just imagine we're all in, you know, the, the pendulum swings back and we mm-hmm. can all, you know, be in the same room together, you know, being, uh, you know, being in front of a room and, and having these kinds of conversations and just trying to make a mass impact. Mm-hmm. And then part of that is, you know, literally just in the past few days with this idea of the podcast, you know, what is that going to lead to and, and seeing how that unfolds uh, in, in a way, like I just kind of laying down the gauntlet and I'm thinking, well, what, what is that going to be? And I'm just going to say, I'm going to say it right here. Okay. I want to positively impact 100 million people by 2025. Now I don't know how to count that quite yet. There might be some, you know, some, you know, some metrics on a podcast or things yeah. like that, but I'm like one, 10. Yeah. No, if I could do 10, I could do a hundred. So um, if, if I'm doing that at that point, then that many more years from now, it's exponential. Yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. And you might have just answered the next question, but I'm going to ask you. I'd anyway. be glad if I just answered the next question. Yeah, I think you just did. So <laughs> I, well, my question is, is how do you define, I mean, we all define success, right? But how do you define true success? Because a lot of times we put these arbitrary metrics in place, you know, like, um, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to do this or I want to do that. But I mean, like, I want you to kind of go from to an intrinsic place, not necessarily yeah, I, an entrix. Right. No, place, I have know. a different answer on this one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very it's cool. A, it's the right question. Look, I, I think, first of all, that's going to come down to people's values. Yeah. And uh, we all have these different currencies mm-hmm. in our life. And certainly um, health is, you know, you can't do much without, without that. And having a roof over your head, having your basic needs met, let's just assume that those currencies are, are there. People think of time as a currency, energy as a currency. Um, certainly money is called currency for a reason. But to me, uh, freedom, freedom to me is success. Okay. Um, and you don't, you know, I might, I mean, I have a nonprofit and I, Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. got this book out. And, you know, I'm not tearing it up, but you know that's okay. And you know, I got food in the fridge and a lot of love around me. And you know, love is certainly a big part of that currency too. So they, they all kind of, you know, whatever your values are around those moving parts. But for me, certainly, um, just on a on a on a personal note, and, and love, of course. I mean, it's, I got to put love number one. My yeah. wife's gonna maybe hear this, <laughs> and I mean it, honey. Love, love's my number. Yeah. No freedom. I mean, I've worked for myself since '02, yeah. and there's been nothing incredibly easy about it. But kicking and scratching every step of the way, and having mm-hmm. the freedom to be you know, there for my son, um, is 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 what success is to me. Awesome. No, that's awesome. So. That leads me to, you know, my next question before I open the floor up to you to uh, just add anything else that you would like to add for everybody. Sure. And that's, you know, Mother Teresa has this quote out there that says, if you know, something to the degree of, if you cast a stone out in the water, you can create a ripple effect. And so my question is, what will your ripple effect be? You know, when you cast, what is that stone that you're going to cast that's going to ripple through maybe your community, your family? you know, the next two or three generations, you know, what is it, what is that ripple effect going to be? So this is uh, in part an easier answer from what we've already Mm -hmm. talked about because what we don't have to go into what that vision Mm -hmm. is for the nonprofit, but the nonprofit is there for that sustainable um, legacy. I guess Mm -hmm. you could say it's got to be there long-term. So my job is to get that to the point of self-sustainability. So once mm-hmm. I get that, we talk about that later on. We talk about the effortful things that like are in, around inevitability. And so we go all the way out to that point B. I already said I have a, a vision. It's 50 years out, all, you know, without, right? Mm-hmm. We can't talk about that. But I'm, I'm focused on what is the lining dominoes from that point and what's the tipping point? What's the domino I have to get to that once tip the rest fall? Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. So, so that's part of the answer is, things we already talked about along yeah. those lines not to be repeated is what's going to get me that domino mm-hmm. and then also what we already talked about with uh with with i hadn't said it out loud before but the the kind of impact i want to make i have to figure out how to count that that number can't mm-hmm. say it without yeah. coming up with some idea around that and my family yeah. you know i mean i you know i'm kind of working backwards from my number one but mm-hmm. i, I I can't push my 19 year old into grandkids yet. Yeah. But I, you know, families, 
family is really important. I'm sure everybody relates and uh, yeah. you know, that's everybody's legacy and, and being able to impart, you know, from, from what I've learned in life and, and the ripple effect of, of who those people are and become, hopefully I have a role in. Yeah. It sounds like Zisms might have to transform into a codex for your family. So yeah, <laughs> a book see, of life. Get my, see, get my son to read it. Actually he has read it, which was a huge win, but you yeah. know, you know, my point it's like, okay, yeah. um, thank you. So, so I'll leave the floor open for you. If there's anything that you haven't said that you want to tell folks right now, I mean, that's up to you. And then um, finish us off with, uh, you know, how we can find your nonprofit, how we can find you and your book. Thanks. Well, I have like a lot of things I want to say, Kirby. Let's go another hour. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I, uh, you know, the one thing I say, because I, I don't like to be pushy about anything and, um, and I don't like to be like my book, this, my book, that this was a, this was an amazing interview. Honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, that uh, all I can ask is, you know, go on to Amazon, look at the reviews. You can mm -hmm. catch the first part of the book. You can go on my website, which is uh, z-isms.com. We'll allow people outside of the U.S. to respect that it's called Z otherwise, but phonetically, it's still the Z. Yeah. And uh, and there's some tools there too. And all I all I can ask is go go read the first part of the book for free. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a business card book as many are and uh I, i'm not trying to hold it up for coaching clients or anything i wrote it to get it in people's hands i want to make that impact and however many books are sold are part of that 100 million right so yeah. now that i think about it so yeah. i hope it helps thank you very yeah. much to you and your listeners yeah no i appreciate it we'll drop the links to the book and the nonprofit and everything in the in the oh. show notes and uh okay, Matt, i just want to say thank you for being on the show and um you know, being a part of our lives and adding value. Yeah. So this is going to be out there and hopefully forever, you know? Um, right. Exactly. Right. And that's part of the question you asked, right? Yeah. Is, is doing these. And so. thanks to you. Um, it's, it's been a true, true, uh, uh, honor to be here with you. Thank you very much, Kirby. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hey guys, what did you think about that interview? I thought it was extraordinary, full of value. And we had a great post-show conversation as well. I hope that you got a ton of value out of my conversation with Matt Zinman, the author of Zenisms, Insights to Live By. I also want to encourage you to reach out to Matt. I'll drop all the links to the show notes. And if you haven't gotten his book yet, I highly encourage you to do so. This is Kirby Ingalls, and I'll see you next time.